agenda, where we're corrupting your children into celebrating their wins and being proud of the journey. I'm Jasmine, general manager of your local REI. And I am Liv. I'm deputy secretary in charge of everybody's pushpins. We love pushpins. Woohoo! The gay agenda. We're here. The Gay Agenda is a podcast about queer success and joy, honoring where we came from, celebrating where we are currently, and looking forward to what's coming next, all with members of our own community. This is a space for us to lift one another up through hilarious and intimate conversation and perhaps meet a few new people, make some new friends along the way. And as gays are known to do, we are using this podcast to spread joy. We want to make you laugh. We want to create a space for you to celebrate yourself and your friends and chosen family and feel safe. Our show title is obviously a flippant repurpose of a homophobic conspiracy. In the context of this podcast, we're using gay as an umbrella term for everyone in the LGBT plus community, because when people say the gay agenda and mean it, they're talking about all of us. And we're a family and we love each other. Also, it's deeply funny for me and you to pretend that the gay agenda is real. (laughs) It is real. I don't know what you're talking about. It's real and we're in charge of it. And this is it. (laughs) And this is it. So I'm Jasmine Savoy Brown. I'm an actress. I'm best known for for, uh, what's it called? The Leftovers on HBO, where I played Evie. I'm also a singer. I'm also an activist. And I came up with this podcast for a few reasons. I was craving a space where there was queer celebration and where we could be ourselves without like being so sad, without all of these movies and shows and things with these deeply sad themes where someone's murdered or died. And I I often talk about and celebrate other facets of my identity. Like I'm always talking about my blackness and my womanhood. And I talk a lot about women's rights and access to healthcare and how important it is to see people of color on screen. But I'm not talking as much about my queerness. And I wanted a space where I could do that joyfully with friends and bring you guys along. And just, I love making friends. I love meeting new people. I wanted to combine all of that together and have good conversations with people I'm fans of, people that I'd like to get to know better with my friend, Liv Hewson. Hello. Who are you? What are you all about? Uh, my name's Liv Hewson. I am uh, noticeably Australian, uh, but I spend a lot of time pretending to be American because I'm an actor and I do a lot of it. I had no idea. Here. Yeah, I know. What the fuck? I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. I have been doing that with my friends and those closest to me for almost 10 years now, but I came out professionally only in the last couple of years. And I also have been like in my work and in like the wider world and like especially coming into my mid-20s, it's like, okay, so this is this is a part of my life that's really central and important and and I want to connect with people for whom that's also true and I, and I want to give that out and like use it to connect and use it to find joy and spread it. And yeah, I think I'm coming from a similar place as you. And so I was really stoked when you asked me to come and do this podcast and I'm excited about it. I'm stoked that you're here. What are you excited about for it? What do you think this show can do? I'm excited to uh, meet and talk to other like cool as shit LGBT people, both in our industry and out of it. Um, I'm excited to like make community in that the most literal of ways by talking and getting to know each other. I'm excited to have an excuse to hang out with you professionally. (laughs) And I'm excited to like use this podcast to be serious in ways that matter and have fun in ways that matter and see those things as equally important. Ooh, yeah. I love that. Do you want to know the real reason I'm doing this podcast? Yes. Because I need a new lover. 
And I'm hoping that I'll meet someone who wants to be my new lover. So <laughs> on that note, welcome to the Gay Agenda, everybody. And I hope that you're excited. We have a great season in store. And please engage with us on social media, especially if you're also looking for a lover. All right, here we go. All right, enough chit chat. Everybody shuffle your papers. What's on the agenda for today? Let's talk about our guest. Today we have a person who happens to be a good friend of each of us. Bex Taylor Klaus, a gay and non-binary actor who happens to have been in basically everything you've seen. We're talking Arrow. We're talking Scream, the TV series. We're talking 13 Reasons Why. We're talking Voltron, legendary Defender. So many wonderful TV shows. In November 2016, Bex came out as gay on Twitter saying, Hello, my name is Bex, and yes, the rumors are true. I am gay. In July 2018, they came out as non-binary and stated a preference for they-them pronouns. Woo! How do you know Bex? Um, we connected over social media. I think uh, it was just a symptom of like non-binary actors being like, hey, hey, hello. And then we finally met in an audition room. And when we met in person, it was like less of an introduction and more of a reintroduction. It was like, ah, oh, finally. Hello. It's so good to see you. And I was really struck by that. Not it's good to meet you, but it's good to see you. Those are the best friendships. I love that when you can meet someone online and then it's like you've known each other in person for the whole time. I also met Bex at an audition and just like with a few other friends, I went up to Bex and was like, so we can be enemies or we can be friends. That is so funny. Guys, you're going to love Bex. They are smart. They are funny. They are passionate. They are kind. And we are so, so, so excited to have them as a guest on The Gay Agenda. Quick note about this episode. At one point, we talk about the comedian River Butcher using an outdated name. In the time between this episode's recording and release, River announced their name change on Twitter, and we will link that thread in the show notes. We wanted to keep the conversation because we find it really important. We were talking about mentorship and community, and we think it's a really great part of the conversation we wanted to share with you guys, but we wanted to honor and acknowledge that River's name is River. Yeah, and we won't be using that name going forward because it's not their name. Right. So... With that in mind, let's enter it into the record. Gavel. <laughs> Bex. Hi. Hi. Hey. Thank you for having me. I'm so oh, happy man. to see your faces. Thank you for being here. This is so exciting. How are you? I'm much better now that I get to see y'all. Oh my God. Chama. <laughs> Swoon. Well, we like to start our podcast by saying our names and our pronouns and how we identify. So I'll go first. I'm Jasmine. My pronouns are she, her. I'm queer. And I also identify as an actress, a singer, an activist, a cat mom. My name is Liv and my pronouns are they, them. And I identify as gay and a nuisance. <laughs> yep. Uh, my name is Bex. My pronouns are they, them, or it. And I identify as a problem. Oh my god, you guys. We love to say it. <laughs> or as 90 Bs. That's what the NB really stands for is 90 Bs. <laughs> You're joining us from back in the closet. Yeah. Sad to say. <laughs> Look, it's only temporary. How does it feel in there? Honestly, it feels so comfy. It's got lots of blankets. It's very soothing. I've got a skull. It's very Hamlet of you. Thank you. I, I've named him Yorick. How did you know? I could tell. I can sense it. <laughs> hey, this is a great lead-in, actually, because doing research on you, I saw that you discovered acting via Shakespeare. And I just thought that was so cool. And I want to know more about how that felt. Well, I really lucked out. My uh, first, second grade drama teacher was way out there and 
really loved to teach us the classics at a very young age. And so we would do Shakespeare, and then she would have us modernize it with her. So she really made it accessible for young kids and older kids for us to really, you know, fall in love with the old stuff as well as modernizing it and making us fall in love with what can be new as well. Way out there drama teachers are like heroes. Truly. <laughs> Works harder than anyone on the planet, in my opinion. Does not get paid enough. Yeah. Really snaps to that. Were the queer characters in Shakespeare, when you were working with this teacher, were they allowed to remain queer? Like, was queerness and LGBTQ characters celebrated? I believe so. It was a Jewish day school, and she was this really wild South African woman. When I say she was an outside-of-the-box drama teacher, she really went out there. So while I don't remember, like, blatant queerness... I do remember not shying away from anything and really going in on the content. As a fellow Shakespeare queer myself, like one of my favorite things about Shakespeare is like how flexible it is. And it's like the guy's been dead for hundreds of years. Like he doesn't give a shit what we're going to do with it. So it's like, you know, are, are these characters queer or are they not? Well, personally, I'm like, yeah, yeah, they are. There are two heterosexuals in Shakespeare canon and everyone else is has their own shit going on. Absolutely. The mutability of Shakespeare is like exciting, but also inherently queer to me. Like it was so, so helpful when I was growing up as a little theater gay. 100%. Uh, Shakespeare is fluid. And also the idea that we don't exactly know who Shakespeare is, the theories that Shakespeare could be, you know, a bunch of women writing under a pseudonym. Yep. I played one of them actually on a show. Did she really? It was called Will. It was on TNT. Emilia Bassano. And I will not do the accent because it's been too long. <laughs> I keep trying to make Jasmine do the accent and she won't. <laughs> we also saw that you were on the softball team in high school, which is just so gay. <laughs> so gay. My, my favorite thing is that my sister took me at face value when I was in the closet. So when I came out, she was like, what? She was surprised. And I was like, how did you not know? I love that. That's its own special kind of allyship to me where it's like, well, yeah, whatever you say, whatever you say, whenever you say it, you let me know. That's lovely. So you knew, you knew in high school, you knew earlier in life. I knew that something was different <laughs> in like second, third grade when everyone started, you know, talking about their crushes, talking about, you know, the boys. And I was like, I just want to go play games. I knew something was different. I just couldn't figure it out and didn't want to figure it out until I was like 12, 13. And I was like, hmm, there are actual feelings here that I can't explain. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, I got some really bad advice from a, believe it or not, a queer guidance counselor. Oh, come on, man. Right? A queer guidance counselor told me not to come out and that I was too young. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So I understand what this person was trying to do. That's like a backhanded trying to keep you safe almost. Where it's exactly. like, well, if, if you come out now, it might be dangerous. You're young. You might not be ready for the backlash you're going to get. But they needed to tell you that in those words. Exactly. exactly. Be clear. <laughs> I was already a weird kid. And like, it was my first time with like a friend group, friend group that wasn't like family friend. And so everyone was like, no, 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 don't mess this up. Yeah. And that's so common too, especially for LGBT children to have your like latent identity be treated as, as like a bomb that's going to go off at some point in time that like you have to be responsible for the fallout of. And it's like, 
Cool. I'm 11. So <laughs> really, it's a lot of responsibility for me to have. It's too much pressure. Let's do something else. Do you guys want to make a puzzle? Like, <laughs> do you want to go climb trees maybe? <gasps> yes. I have been called a tree hugger and it's not an offense to me. I wear that badge with pride. And speaking of pride, <laughs> do you love the transitions today? You're so good at these. Very smooth, very effortless. So your whole journey with your queerness, your identity has been had publicly. You've been coming out over and over again on Twitter. And I'm curious the ways that's impacted your personal life and your career. It seems to be going well. It seems like all of those decisions have panned out beautifully. And I would just like to hear more about that. Well, um, I am impulsive. <laughs> i'm impulsive and once i feel like i'm figuring something out i'm like awesome this feels good let's talk about it i think that it's normal for that to change and shift and so i want to be able to be an example of that so that people don't feel like they need to suppress themselves until they're you know absolutely positive they found the perfect thing because the perfect thing may change human beings are ever evolving i think it's important to resist the idea that there are rules where it's like oh but you can't you can't like evolve your understanding of it or like talk about it before you completely know what's going on because that's against the rules i'm like what are you talking about <laughs> like the- why are there rules who who put these rules in place yeah they fundamentally aren't and shouldn't be exactly yeah we talk about that a lot like live you've talked about how straight women quote experimenting shouldn't be bad but we look at it as if it's a bad thing similar to how if a person in the lesbian community decides well actually i'm gonna date this cis guy for a minute that everyone's like shit Abandoned all lesbians. And it's like, no. <laughs> like, it's like a bi woman who like thought she was lesbian for a while or like vice versa. Or yeah, me and Jasmine have talked about that before. Where I'm like, no, 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 it's all good. Like it's like the freedom to explore and safely look at yourself and look at other people and like move through the world and like follow joy and like try to lean into your own impulses without shame. That's the whole thing, right? So people having the space to move around is a net positive for everybody. I mean, fluidity is the goal. Yeah. My brother is 20 and I love his philosophy on gender and sexuality. He's agnostic about it, truly. He is of the belief that it's necessary if you deem it necessary, but otherwise just be who you feel like being and love who you feel like loving. Like, just exist. We don't need labels unless we feel like they're necessary. Part of the excitement for me is hearing different worldviews about it from people because, you know, there are people who think that and then there are people who, you know, feel that the labeling is actually very important to them and very empowering for them. Or it's like, well, actually, the, like the language is the most important thing for me because it gave me a framework to understand myself and communicate about that with others. And so there's like, there are as many worldviews as there are people on the planet. And then some. And then, and then a <laughs> few more than that. It's just <laughs> exciting to me to hear about as many different viewpoints as possible, as long as everybody's like getting their joy and feeling safe and feeling actualized. I mean, chasing joy is a lovely thing. Did you find that when you were sort of like coming into your, the realizations about yourself as like a young queer person, were there like moments of joy or things that you found yourself chasing as you were figuring it out? Absolutely. Honestly, the thing that streamlined the process of coming into myself every time that I've done so has been opening up that worldview, just being like, hmm, let's think about this a little bit differently. Let's 
stop sitting in a little box that feels comfortable and kind of stick my hand out and make sure the sun's not going to melt me. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any mentors or people that you looked up to who were an example in that time? Yeah, I've got a beautiful friend group of a bunch of just queers who live out here in L.A. And I had just gotten out of a really, really bad relationship um, where I had been suppressing myself in nearly every way. And I met this group of people and started expanding my friend group, my, my interactions with others and really leaning into the queer community. And finding my friends helped me find myself. Mm, yeah, I love that. Yeah, community can't be understated ever, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Community is everything. Truly. I, I grew up, I'm Jewish, and I grew up in the Atlanta Jewish community heavily. And I've always known the value of community and tribe and all that. And I had resisted a queer tribe for so long because I had been afraid. You know, again, I grew up in the American South, so not always so. Not the safest place. No, especially not for a queer Jew. Like, you hide. And so when I came out here, I was still hiding. And when I was finally free of a relationship that kept me hiding, I was able to just like with the box, start creeping out and be like, oh, hello. Oh, you're fun. Oh, you're bright. I like this. <laughs> yeah, to like branch out and like participate in the world in a new way. Yeah. And then the world was pretty inviting and welcoming, would you say? Yeah. It was bright and beautiful. It reminded me of, of Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. <laughs> so gay. <laughs> so gay. Yeah. <laughs> we're all friends of Dorothy here, right? You know it. <laughs> When I was little, I had Dorothy's shoes. My mom got me a pair of her little ruby red shoes. Should have also been a sign. When I was little, I had six pairs of Dorothy's shoes because I kept growing out of them. Yeah, I I had two because I grew out of them twice. And then my mom was like, those are expensive. (laughs) Um, I, I would love to know a little bit more on how your friends helped you through that time and about yeah. any mentors that you had. I Mentorship is really important to me. I have a couple older mentors and I mentor a couple people younger than me. And so I'm always curious about those relationships. I uh, It's been really interesting because a bunch of my mentors from this friend group have been a little younger than I am and a few have been a little bit older. Mm. It was really beautiful to be able to meet people a few years younger than I am who had already gotten to the point where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. In terms of self-love and acceptance and self-knowledge, self-understanding. It started with my first trans pride out here in L.A. The relationship I had been in every time I had tried to talk about, you know, gender or anything, I got completely shut down. But as soon as I was out of that, I jumped in head first. I was like, there is something here I've, I, I need to jump in. I need to dive in. It started with uh, Tegan and Sarah actually, Tegan and Sarah Foundation. It always starts with Tegan and Sarah. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) The Tegan and Sarah Foundation did this um, education program and fundraiser, and I ended up sitting between Eli Ehrlich and Haley Kiyoko. Wicked. Not a Uh bad place to sit. Okay. And then right behind me was Cameron Esposito. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Okay. So just, you died and went to gay heaven, triangulated in this... (laughs) environment i did fucking hell and this was this was when i was still in that bad relationship and suppressing everything and so i managed to hold on to that experience and so once i was 
free, I went right back to it. I was like, these are the people that I sat by. These are the people I want to reach out to and talk to for real this time. Yeah. And I got to talk with Rhea Butcher several times. Rhea's legend. Right? Rhea's the best. We went to home state and got tacos and talked for a while as I was like starting to get into the whole gender thing. Mm. And so was Rhea. And mm-hmm. Oh, beautiful. So you guys walked through that part of your lives together? Sort of. Yeah. It's really important as I was coming to terms with like my experience as a non-binary person. Like I, there are friends that I have who it's like it wasn't completely simultaneous, but in the pocket of a few years, we were all kind of figuring this out together. It was beautiful to like be able to support each other through that. And then in hindsight, to be able to be like, yeah, I was connected to you through this. And it's like, even yeah. if we weren't on the same page at exactly the same time. We were reading the same book, you know, and that's exciting. (laughs) I love that. That's beautiful. It's the queerest and most beautiful book club. What was your experience of like coming into the industry as a performer and then also coming into your understanding of yourself? Well, that's actually what um, Rhea and I first started talking about when we met was I was Mm. like, how did you come out in an industry? And Rhea was like, I didn't have to. I started this way. (laughs) I was like, I wish I had been able to do that. (laughs) But it was at that point in my life when I was still on that trajectory, talking to Rhea, who had started there, was magical in a way that I wish I had words for. Mm. I was upset that I felt like I had to change myself when I realized I only had to change the public perception of me. Because I wasn't any different. I just had to yeah. change preconceived notions. Yes. Mm. 100%. Oh, I know exactly how you feel. And talking to Rhea really helped me figure that out. Because that's not something that they had to do. And it really got me thinking. Even though it wasn't something Rhea could like give me advice on, it was something that really helped me to understand. Yeah. Like, even if I shift public's perception of me, I can still be me. Even if I didn't start this way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I would argue that actors and people in the public eye are doing that all the time, just perhaps not with gender and sexuality, but people are chopping off their hair or quitting acting or X, Y, Z. So that thing isn't new, but around gender and identity is newer. And that's scarier. It can be. Yeah. I don't know about about you, but for me personally too, I had to in recent years come to a place where I was like, well, what people think when they look at me is not any of my mm. business and like doesn't control who, who I actually mm. am or what my actual experience is. It's this tricky nebulous space where it's like, I want so badly for people's perception of me to align with my perception of myself, but then I also want to be free of the expectations of behavior and presentation that people have of me. Yeah, it's tricky. One of my best friends and I talk about this, how we are so evolved and our minds are so evolved that we know now, like psychologically, I don't actually care what more than like the six people closest to me think of me. I don't actually Mm. care or need these people's approval. Mm. But internally, like our survival mechanism for so long has been keep the group happy, make sure that everyone does approve of me and make sure everyone is on my same page. And those two things are not in alignment. Mm. So my mind and body are at odds. And it's confusing because, you know, you go to a thing and it's like, what does everyone in this room think of me? Do they care? Wait, I don't care what they think of me. I just care my best friend thinks of me. Wait, but I do need the group's approval. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) I know. I think that's that ongoing conversation is also part of us being the age that we are. Like I really... Mm. I I hope anyway that that kind of comfort with oneself improves over like time and 
life and, you know, learning more things and being around more. Totally. I mean, it has to. Yeah. Oh, God, please. (laughs) (laughs) Please. With age may not always come wisdom, but it does come experience. Yes. True. And so now you've been out in more ways than one for a while now publicly. Is it getting more comfortable? Significantly. Absolutely. And it absolutely helps that, you know, other people are coming out too and and the rest of the world is kind of shifting with us. Yeah. Well, I think that you're a big part of that. Um, I really do. And I'd love to hear about that. Like, are you aware of what a great example you've been for other people and that you being yourself publicly has no doubt literally saved lives? Do you ever think about that? That's really cool. It's really cool. And I I would love to think about that more. <laughs> no yeah, pressure. I, I like can't ever think about it because then right? I start freaking out. <laughs> but, what, but what's the freak out? That's a great question. What is the freak out? I think part of it is like feeling responsibility. Mm, mm-hmm. The other part of it is imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Feeling like the stakes are very high and feeling like, you know, I'm just I'm just a, a person putting on costumes and pretending to be American a lot, you know, like. I, <laughs> um, so there's it, there's a lot of joy and it's like, wow, that's amazing. And anytime I'm able to connect with like queer people and non-binary people who've like watched me and gotten something out of it, I'm like, this is exactly why I do any of this. And then also I need to go sit in a room that's dark and lie down for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Big mood. Big yeah. mood. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. It is. It's, I relate heavily to that. It, it's like, Whenever I hear that I'm helping someone, exactly like what Liv said, it's like, oh, yay, I'm so glad. Also, let me go curl up in a ball and cry happy and sad tears. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then when I get asked for a pep talk Mm -hmm. or when I get asked for advice, that's when it gets hard. That's when the imposter syndrome like kicks in overdrive, you know. It's like, uh, I'm still figuring it out. No, 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 no. I'm not an expert. But I think it's okay to say that. The mm. the advice that I'm asked for usually has more to do with being a woman of color in the industry. Mm-hmm. But it's, I think that's a big helping point is when I say, I don't know everything. Here's my experience. And mm. lead with that. Like, I don't know. <laughs> mm. But this is what I know about what I don't know. Yeah, actually... That might be what the fear is or what the the feeling of high stakes is, is that feeling as though you're being asked to be an authority on the subject. Yes. Mm. Yeah. When, oh, you know, instead yes. it might be better to look at it as just like, oh, I'm just connecting with somebody or like I'm connecting with a group of people. It's like I'm not, yeah. no one's asking me to be the boss. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it feels like being asked to be the boss. It does. It feels like you're asked to be the ranking expert on something that you're still actively figuring out. Yeah. And I'd love to move to a lived experience of like representation where it's like representation doesn't mean that I'm a representative. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like I'm, I'm just hanging out. <laughs> I'm just existing. It happens to be in this body, happens mm-hmm. to be with this face. Yep. Happen to know about three things and that's all. <laughs> yeah. So far I'm working on three and a half. <laughs> I will things. reach four by 30. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. <laughs> Um, I have a question. When you were growing up, um, how did you imagine success? Like what, what did you imagine success was? And like, how do you think that's changed? Oh, dip. What a loaded question. (laughs) Well, um, I grew up a tiny Jewish bean in Atlanta and one side of my family is very, very, very well educated and very excessively productive. So I had a really warped perception of success. It it had to be 
productivity was success. And I was also extremely ADHD and, you know, mentally ill and I had all these health issues. So it felt like I would never be able to achieve success if success meant productivity. Yeah. So I, I grew up thinking that I would never be able to survive on my own because I, I knew that I wasn't good at school. And I was, you know, from a family of my grandmother went to college at 15 years old. Whoa. Jesus. Yeah. Like I had a lot of pressure to be smart, educated, good at school, successful, you know, lawyer track, doctor track, all these things. And I knew that I would never be able to do that. As much as I wanted to be like a forensic scientist, I didn't have the school savvy that I needed. Yeah. So I always felt like I was broken. I always felt like I was in need of fixing. I was wrong. I was bad because I wasn't the same as the family I had come from. Mm -hmm. So I actually found softball and was like, I can't do what my family does, but maybe I can be a softballer. Maybe I can be good at this. Maybe this can be my thing. Yeah. So I was like getting scouted and everything. I was like, this is going to be my track. And then I was like, wait a minute. Someone said I could do acting. Let me try that instead. So I, I still have trouble internally with like my own childhood warped perceptions of success, meaning productivity, and acting is not easy to fulfill that, you know. Ugh, that's the darn truth. It is not really a metric as such. Exactly. Yeah. So like sometimes it's really, really hard for me to be like, I'm successful because it doesn't match the you know, the scale that I grew up marking to. In your most peaceful moments now, how do you conceptualize what success would be for yourself as, as the adult you've become? I mean, I still have this warped perception of like, success means a steady, productive job, right? No, 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 <laughs> no. I think for me, success would mean peace, you know, like sitting on a property, sitting in a house with my wife, definitely some creatures, furry creatures running around, maybe some- <laughs> Oh, well, you, you gotta know, have some creatures. Always creatures. I always wanted a farm. Like, I want endless furry creatures, but maybe, you know, some creatures with human feet too. Maybe. Hmm. You know, happiness, family, community. That's success to me now. Yeah, totally. I relate to everything mm. you said. And Liv knows I am actively unlearning Mm. success equaling productivity. This is and like a, an aim of mine is to try and talk my friends out of their like capitalist expectations around work. Yes. It's harmful. I, it's to the point that um, I've promised to myself I'll take on nothing else for the rest of the year, which isn't like me. Wow. I'm working on three things and I'm going to do things like go to the park and read a book. I love that. A fucking concept to me. It's hard. Because when I first lay down in the grass, my body's like, nope, nope, you should be launching a business. And I'm like, or mm. not. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. And there's something about should that always makes me so curious too, where it's like, oh, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. I'm like, okay, what for? Why? Don't should right. yourself. No shooting right. yourself. But it is capitalist because yeah. what I, the thought always in my head is you haven't earned this. You haven't earned yes. the rest. I used to say I had to earn used to as in stopped four days ago yeah. have to earn <laughs> going to sleep at night it's a sickness it's a disease it's capitalism yeah. it's the patriarchy it's white supremacy it's all of the things that mm -hmm. i don't fit into you're a human being alive on the planet you don't like things like rest and pace and like connectivity and... that's hard enough being a human being alive on the planet oh it's my brother hard. keeps saying like we were designed to sit on the couch and eat snacks having to go to work every day don't dream of labor 
Mm-mm. Don't dream of labor. Yeah, you, you don't have to. You don't have to yeah. earn the perks of being alive. Yes, like sl- sleep yeah. or fun. Or- wow, say that one again. You don't. You do not have to earn the perks of being alive. I'm getting that tattooed <laughs> on my forehead backwards so I can Seriously. see in the mirror. <laughs> I'll Every make day. you a t-shirt. <gasps> yes, please. A little question just came in from our producer. I'm just gonna pop it in here for us. This is for all three of us. Have any of you struggled that being on Netflix or network TV feels like traditional success? Yeah, for sure. Because it's for me, it's kind of like that um, imposter syndrome of like all my friends think that I'm rich, mentally stable, and yeah. happy. And by <laughs> no, the way, none of the above. None currently, of the none above. of those things are true. Just kidding. Uh, but happiness, it comes and goes. Overall, I am happy because mm-hmm. I have love in my life. I'm mostly healthy and I do get to do the things that I love, but that doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. And I deal with depression and like financially, it's never what people think it is at all. I've had some hard, hard hits there. And this is an interesting industry because it like part of doing it is like keeping those details kind of vague. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to be ridiculously candid right now because I have nothing to lose. I did this pilot. And we've been waiting the whole run of contract to hear if we're going to get picked up. And then we just found out yesterday we're not getting picked up. Yeah. I'm sorry, dude. Which means I have missed out on everything. A year of money. I've missed yeah. out on the entire seven months of money. And now I have to hit the ground running. And that's just reality that, that we don't ever talk about. But I think we should. Oh, yeah. Yes, I agree. Like being a working actor is a success and it's something that I try to uh, really enjoy and like wring the experience dry as it's happening to me. Because my favorite thing is the act of doing it. It's like Mm -hmm. doing doing the job of being an actor because really your job is getting a job and then doing the job is the fun bit. Yeah, um, the audition process is the actual. That's your work. job. Yeah, 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 and it's free labor. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and, but it's also it's like I try to stay fluid with it because it's like this is an industry that naturally comes and goes. You will go through mm-hmm. periods of like very intense work and then periods of like very intense rest and nothing happening for a while. Mm-hmm. I try not to be too attached to success in general because I'm like, yeah, no, I'm I'm doing stuff and that's great. Mm-hmm. And then I, I might stop or I might not be doing stuff for a while. And that's great too. Like I try to enjoy all of it as much as possible. Yeah. Well, the question I hate is what are you doing next? God. <laughs> or what's next for you? Leave me alone. Exactly. Having a shower. I don't know. Exactly. <laughs> Taking a nap. <laughs> that's what I'm doing next. You know, a big part of this for me of success, it's just everything we've been talking about, but I I am creating other projects where I'm completely in control creatively mm-hmm. or it in control in more of a collaborative way than mm. TV where you show up, you say the lines, they could splice six takes together. That's not at all what it looked like on the day. They could cut a line, add the music. Oh, don't forget ADR for the emotional scenes. ADR is like it's manipulation at its finest. But for me, having other things, like I'm really leaning into my music right now. I've been writing a lot of music. It's good, too. Thanks. I'm proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. I'm pretty proud of it. (laughs) (laughs) Like cooking. I used to always say, again, used to as in until four days ago, I would say, I don't have time to cook. I only cook when I'm stressed. I don't have time for that because I'm too busy. 
Now I'm learning to cook for fun. Yay! Also a concept anyway. That's going to change a bunch. That's going to change like how living a day feels a lot in a really uh, positive way. I'm excited for you. Yeah, yeah I'm probably going to call you a couple times going, I tried to light a candle and I had a panic attack that I'm not <laughs> running a marathon. I'm like, okay, I'm coming <laughs> over. Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. Bex, I would love to ask you something that I hope will become a recurring segment on this podcast. Um, yes. This is in reference to the wonderful uh, musical Fun Home by Alison Bechdel. <gasps> yes. And I want to ask you, uh, what was your ring of keys moment? Did you have a moment when you were younger of like recognition or affirmation from an older like LGBT person or like moment or feeling? Like, do you have a ring of keys moment that you remember? I read Fun Home in high school. I read Fun Home in a graphic novel class in high school, sophomore year. So my Ring of Keys moment was Ring of Keys. Shut up. That's, I can't. I quit. (laughs) What freaking high school did you go to? My high school was like, not nice like that. (laughs) Can you imagine being in like a high school art class and they hand out dykes to watch out for? I would have changed everything (gasps) for me. Look, I was like, Alison Bechdel, I love this story. Let me read more. And I found dykes to watch out for. And I was like, I have not read that. It's where the Bechdel test comes from. Alison Bechdel did like a comic series called Dykes to Watch Out For. Gotcha, gotcha. And uh, there's a particular comic where two lesbians are like talking about going to the movies and one of them is like, I'm not going to movies unless there are two women talking to each other about something other than a man. And then the other one says, what was the last movie you saw? And the other one says, uh, Alien, because yeah. at one point they were talking about the monster. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, it's great. That's, the, that's where the Bechdel test comes from. Hey, they talk about the cat at one point. They too. do, they do, yeah. <laughs> but is the cat a male cat? cat in as much as cats are anything cats are non-binary you cannot change my mind okay that actually leads us we're gonna play a little game with you you know how i love playing games on a podcast so games g-a-y-m-e-s oh (laughs) this is called gender this we're just gonna throw out a bunch of words and i want you to just rapid fire gender it First thing that comes to mind, then you can explain it. And we're going to do Beck's edition with bees. Love it. Me and Jasmine have been doing this in real life a little bit because uh, this started when um, we were talking about the fact that we subconsciously like gender things like food or each other's cars or like little objects. We're like, yeah, my sandwich is just a little guy. We're like, mm-hmm. what is that? What is that about? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then I was saying that like, especially as a non-binary person, I like, I just, I get a real kick out of like assigning gender to things that aren't me in a way that's low stakes. And fun and kind. <laughs> I'm warning you that the genders that I like to gender things with are insane. That's yeah, great. No, that's good. Here that's we good. go. We then. Want that. Ready? And balloons. Aw, those are just sweet little helium beasts. Um, I think balloons are drag. Like any any mm. kind of gender fuckery associated with drag. That's balloons. Oh, definitely the balloons with confetti in them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Big time. <laughs> Balconies. Trans. Baloney. Gross. That the gender is the gender is gross. The gender is gross. Ballroom dancing. They them she her. Billboards. Dude. Brisket. Yum. The gender is yum. Ballads. Uh, the gender is three geese hissing in a trench coat. Yes. Buttons. Mm, gender is toe fungus. Live. This is for you. Brown paper bags. Oh. Um. Like like Peter Pan, like boyhood, but like age and a boyhood. Ooh, B-O-I hood. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yes, yes. Brokeback Mountain. She, her. The color burgundy. Hmm. Oh, that's a good one. 
I think Burgundy is like a dude, but like a deeply bisexual dude, like a Dorian Gray figure. Burgundy might even be bi-wife energy. Bi-wife energy. <laughs> we love to see it. That's incredible. Bible camp. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a urinal cake. <laughs> Boyfriend by Justin Bieber. <laughs> okay, that's trans. Okay, two more. Big time rush. Oh, uh, 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 gay kickball league. Okay, those are both of you. The most important one, abolishing the police. Well, that's everybody, baby. Uh-huh. That's fluid. That's gender fluid. Amen. Uh-huh. <laughs> we love to see it. <laughs> we have a final question for you. What are you going to do this week to further the gay agenda? Mm. The, gay, the very real gay agenda. And with that sub-question, what does the gay agenda mean to you? Ooh. Well, first of all, I think that this was a missed opportunity to call it the homo schedule. <laughs> <laughs> oh god we have to change the name of the podcast oh, <laughs> Damn it, Bex. i apologize for nothing that's very good <laughs> well okay so the gay agenda also known as the homo schedule i think that it is spreading as much queer joy as humanly possible mm, brilliant and how i'm gonna do that is on Sunday, I'm having a bunch of queers over to my house to wreak havoc and be gay and post on Instagram. Ugh. Ugh, beautiful. That sounds like so much fun. When you're in L.A. Why aren't we in L.A.? Get me out of this hell. I mean, I love Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Vancouver, for having us as working guests in this country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Fair and valid. And once they release you. Come hang out with us. Oh, immediately. Yeah, you, which is, just you wait. You're going to regret that. Make me. Don't <laughs> threaten me with a good time. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> One of my favorite um, gay affirming times ever in my life so far happened in Vancouver, in Vancouver Pride 2016. It was a magical time. It's mm. the best Pride experience I've ever had to date. Obviously, this year, a lot of things were made digital. They're not happening in person. Because oh, restrictions, restrictions are lifting, like, now. Look, Atlanta's yeah. all the way in October. I feel like Pride is year-round, so just, yeah, yeah just it can sad. be vibing. And then in Hell Australia, yeah. it's Mardi Gras, and it happens at different times. So, like, it just every, the, the gay agenda is really traveling from place to place all year whenever long. Pride is on. <laughs> yep. And that's, that's what we're all striving for. That is success. That's success. Someday, <laughs> when we take a whole year and go country to country, state to state, celebrating Pride, we will have made it. Bex, Taylor, Klaus, our friend, thank you for being a guest on our podcast. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me as a guest on your podcast. Thank you for attending this meeting of the Gay Agenda. Yes! The homo schedule. (laughs) (laughs) This is the best. I love you both very much. Thank you for having me. After every interview... There is still so much more for us to read and learn and talk about and share about. So we have some citations we want to share with you if you want to do some further research on your own. You can find all of these in the episode notes in the episode description. So Queering Shakespeare is an article by Sandra Newman at Aeon, and it is an article about queerness in Shakespeare's plays. Here is a little quote from the article that I like. We know that the sonnets treat gay love as pure and real and absolutely serious. Already in the 1590s, Shakespeare and at least some of his circle could see that love is love. There's some academic speculation that Shakespeare was bi. Oh, I'm sure. 
Shakespeare was by and also a woman of color. Anyway, what <laughs> article would you like to share this week? I want to talk some more about softball. So the article I would like to share is called Black Puerto Rican Out and Proud. Alicia Ocasio blazes a new trail in the world of softball. It's written by Juan Pimiento at the Chicago Tribune. And it is about softball star Alicia Ocasio talking about her experience as a black Puerto Rican and LGBT athlete and what that represents to her. And I think it's wicked and worth a read. Again, you can find all of these links and more in the episode description. And after you read them, tweet us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you like about the article. Tell us if there's anything else that you think we should read. This has been The Gay Agenda. I'm Jasmine Savoy Brown, your host, producer, and creator of the show. And I'm Liv Hewson, your host and producer. The Gay Agenda is produced by Multitude for Netflix. Our lead producer is Eric Silver. Our engineer and editor is Misha Stanton. And our executive producer is Amanda McLaughlin. Be sure to follow Most, Netflix's home for LGBTQ plus storytelling on Twitter and Instagram at Most. And the best way to help us keep advancing the gay agenda is to tell a friend about the show. So post about us on socials or text someone a link to your favorite episode. We'll see you next week. This meeting has been adjourned. 